Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Brand new day, a brand new show. Have Americans run out of empathy because of too many disasters? I want to dig into this a little bit. I think it's an absolutely fascinating topic. Also in this hour, my rant over at HartmanReport.com today is about how Congress can put the Supreme Court in a box. Yes, they can do it. They just never have, and maybe they will. We'll see. So that's what we have coming up on the program today, plus your calls. But I, all these simultaneous disasters, this is the, uh, Jacob Stern wrote a piece in The Atlantic, and I think it's a good one uh, and, a, and a good point. I noticed, you know, the weekend before last, um, just uh, something, I, I don't even remember what it was, and I snapped at Louise and, and, and she was like, wait a minute, are you feeling grumpy? And I, I'm like, whoa, yeah, I am. And it's like, and we both were. I mean, it's like, how, how did this happen? You know, what do we do to fix it? And, you know, we ended up like hugging each other and, and, and kind of talking about it. But what I'm, what I'm figuring out is that I'm suffering, and I think probably everyone is suffering from some sort of, you know, variation on something like post-traumatic stress disorder or present traumatic stress disorder. I mean, you know, for, for a year, I couldn't see my, my grandchildren uh, or my children. I couldn't travel. I've, I've traveled my whole entire life. I couldn't be with my best friend, uh, you know, Jerry, who went through back surgery and then his wife died. He and his wife both, both got COVID. This is my best friend. I've known, you know, since the early 70s. Um, he lives in New York. I, uh, in normal circumstances, I would have hopped on a plane, done my show from New York for a few days and, and uh, slept on Jerry's couch. Couldn't do it. We have COVID, you know, I'm in almost two years, 600,000 dead Americans. I knew people who are now dead from COVID. And, you know, we're heading toward a million in, in large part because of Republican efforts to play down the, the virus and discourage people from getting vaccinated simply because they want to try and crash the economy and make things look bad for, for Joe Biden. And then on top of that, we've got heat waves, 
It was 116 degrees here this summer. Fires, floods, storms, war. We're pulling out of Afghanistan, and, well, now it's actually it looks like it, they're, they're doing a damn good job now. They've got 75,000 people out of Afghanistan so far. But, you know, it's still, it's a, it's a tough time. There will be people left behind. There's no doubt about that. There will be some horrible footage coming out. You can you bet on it. And then on, on top of that, I mean, here in Portland, and I, and I know this is happening up and down the West Coast, people who uh, live in uh, areas where winter comes and winter is hard are, you know, in some cases, their cities are providing them with free bus tickets out to the West Coast where the winters are mild. And, you know, so we've got this homeless explosion happening. Had a homeless guy, you know, chase Louise and throw a water bottle at her, go crazy on her. We had a homeless person try to break into our house. I mean, it's just, it's like, I, I've never experienced anything like this. It's nuts. We've got, on top of this, you've got people who are on the verge of becoming homeless because they can't pay rent. They can't get medical care because hospitals are full of COVID. So what do we do about this? Well, I've poured myself into my writing for the last two years. I've, I've written two and a half books, and I edited a third one that, on, uh, on, on uh, veganism and diet that I want to publish one of these days. But, but I wrote this book, uh, The Hidden History of American Healthcare, that comes out next week. And I wrote The Hidden History of Big Brother in America, uh, you know, which won't come out until next spring. But it's like I just poured myself into it. I started a new project in March, writing a, you know, a daily newsletter called HartmanReport.com. And, uh, you know, it's like every afternoon, I, uh, Louise and I spend probably a half hour to an hour figuring out what I'm going to write about. And then I go upstairs in my office and I sit there for two or three hours and I, I write the piece. And then in the next morning, I get up at 5 a.m. and I edit it for an hour or so and, you know, publish it. And then go in the office and record the podcast version of it. And it's like, you know, we've gotten busy is the bottom line of all this. My brother, one of my brothers, who is, you know, a computer programmer, has, has been taking classes, he and his wife, online about how to paint. And he's turned into a pretty good painter. How do you cope with this? And is this messing with our brains? This, this piece by Jacob Stern over on, on uh, TheAtlantic.com, I thought was absolutely fascinating. It was titled, titled, All These Simultaneous Disasters Are Messing With Our Brains. Right? I mean, outside of the generation that both had the flu epidemic of 1918 and fought World War I at the same time, I don't think we've seen anything like this. And, and, and pretty much there's nobody alive who was alive back then, or at least alive and old enough to remember it. So this is new to us. And I get it. I'm speaking from a place of incredible privilege. I actually have a house that I live in. I have a good income. I, you know, I'm, I'm an American. Think of the people living in like Syria who have, you know, where Donald Trump stabbed the Kurds in the back and said, okay, you're on your own. And then Turkey came in and started slaughtering them. And ISIS was, you know, and, and, and Bashir and the government. I mean, Think about, you know, the Afghan refugees that are going to be happening, that are happening right now. They're piling up on the Turkish border and the Turkish troops are saying, no, you can't come through. They're piling up on, on uh, to, I believe it was Tajikistan's border. Somebody called yesterday about that. How do we, how do we respond to this? Stephen Taylor, this psychologist who's quoted in this article by Jacob Stern in The Atlantic, 
talks about how, in some cases, our response is to basic, is basically casual sadism. And I, you know, I remember this. I, I was in Uganda, up in the Numalo, uh, at the Numalo prison farm, up in the Katamoja region of Uganda. It was a, you know, these are people who mostly uh, subsist on, on uh, uh, drinking the milk of the animal. They're, they, they, they're herders, right? And when Idi Amin's men went through, they murdered all the, all the men and all the boys who were over maybe 12 years old, old enough to carry a rifle, and raped all the women. And so by the time we got there, a year later, as the famine was really starting to bite, there were all these babies starving. And I remember sitting, there was this, this old Ethiopian priest, and he looked like he was 100 years old. I mean, he's just this little shriveled up guy. Uh, this Ethiopian, who is kind of running the place. The, the Red Cross had left. That's why we went in. You know, me, uh, actually it was me and, and uh, Horst von Heyer, a guy from the Salem organization in Germany. And so we're sitting, and this guy, this, this old priest had, had a secret stash in the middle of a famine. I mean, literally, people were dying all around us. He had this little secret stash of, of uh, passion fruit. And they were all shriveled up, these little blackened, shriveled up things. And he cut one open, and was doling out to us these little wet gelatinous seeds that were like, hey, moisture, food. And he says, what do you get when you give 5,000 starving people of, you know, food? And I'm like, I don't know, what do you get? And he goes, 20,000 starving people. <laughs> and he starts laughing. And it was like, you know, gallows humor. How do you deal with this stuff? And then on top of that, we've got wildfires filling the skies with smoke. We've got earthquakes leveling cities. You've got a disaster in Haiti. You've got buildings collapsing in Florida. Joe Ruzak, a PTSD researcher at Palo Alto, he says, there's a sense that people's coping reserves are kind of finite, and you can diminish your reserves. Now, some people, and this is just like the Kauai study, which I've talked about for years on this program, you know, where they looked at uh, children of great poverty. These were children of migrant farm workers, sugarcane workers on the island of Kauai, Hawaii, where there was basically no escape from the poverty. And what they found was that a larger percentage of those children were highly resilient, even though they were the victims of grinding poverty and terrible abuse. And a higher percentage of them than normal were very fragile. In other words, the middle the, okay, I'm sort of resilient and sort of fragile, that middle, that middle got much, much narrower, and the two extremes, highly resilient and highly fragile, were exaggerated. I'm guessing that's what's going on. But what do you do? I mean, one of our sponsors, we've got, you know, the sponsor, Annie's Kit Clubs, and, uh, you know, on the commercial side of the show, and they've got a new program that they're, they're advertising on our program, where they're, they're talking about, you know, if you crochet, you can get this kit every month to crochet something, and they, they have this list of charities, and they give it to people in need. So it's like people are finding ways to kind of reactivate their empathy. I've been, I've been finding myself spending a lot more time just like as I'm walking around outside or even just sitting in the house, just looking up or looking out at a tree or the sky or the skyline or the river or whatever and saying, Wow, thank you, God, for this. Thank you for this life. Going through in my mind the names of people I know as I essentially am saying prayers for them, hoping that each one is getting a little shot of light, 
I've, I've gotten to where I'm, do, I'm like religiously, no pun intended, doing that every single day. It's like my coping mechanism. How do we deal with this? And how do we deal with the people who want to make it worse because they think it's going to benefit them politically? How do we deal with the rage about that? I mean, when I look at Republicans, and then, and then sometimes there's like, you know, this, is it schadenfreude, you know, the, the kind of joy in others' pain? Send, uh, Senator Andre Jacques de Pierre of Wisconsin. Excuse me, Andre Jacques of de Pierre, Wisconsin. He's a Republican lawmaker who's spent the last couple months telling people that masks are, you know, a violation of your freedom. And vaccines are terrible things. Well, you know, he's on a ventilator now. He's probably going to die. And, you know, part of me wants to say a prayer for him. And part of me is like, hey, I hope a whole lot of people hear about it. It's a tough time. And I think, you know, step one to figuring out how we heal through this, how we come through this, is acknowledging that it's a tough time and talking about the strategies that we've all come up with to try to make it through a tough time. Your thoughts on that? Eugene in Nanticoke, Pennsylvania. Hey, Eugene, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching Hi, us on Free Speech. Um, yeah, I've called a couple of times before. I, I'm feeling the same way. I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it's been like this maybe, oh, past two years or so. I have some... Uh, uh, physical issues. I'm not an invalid, but I'm pretty much immobilized. I manage to do shopping and go to the doctor and pick up prescriptions, but it basically it's stay at home. And uh, how I've been coping with it is, you know, in, in this weather, uh, well, it's been uh, extremely uncomfortable here. Uh, it's always been in the 90s with very, very high humidity. But in the evenings, when it cools down a little bit, I've been I've been doing uh, some things in the yard, planting some shrubs and some bushes and and, and things like that. Uh, Which is kind of what. hopeful stuff, you know. If you're planting something that's going to grow, that implies that you have a sense of a future that's coming, a positive yeah. future. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not a quitter. I I, I was in quite a bit of pain with my uh, physical condition, but. Um, I always pushed harder, you know, try, try to try to go past my 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 limits. So uh, I've been uh, coping with the issues um, um, by doing things like that. I was in the emergency twi room twice with, with vertigo. They ran every test under the sun. They couldn't find anything. My my personal feeling is I was just overwhelmed with everything with the with the heat, with uh, uh, what's going on in, in Afghanistan, where with uh, the Republicans and their uh, uh, false uh, uh, voting, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, yeah. Recall. Voter suppression. And, yeah. yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, I live along the Allegheny Mountain Range, and to tell you the honest truth, the mountains are quite beautiful, but when I look at them, I see coal, I see arsenic, I see cyanide, I see chromium B. You know, uh, poisons that the, the Susquehanna River was 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 running uh, red wet with uh, sulfur mine acid for years and years. It's beginning to clean up a little bit now. Mm -hmm. And even though coal was an important part of our industrial res uh, revolution, it contributed to the uh, steel industry and the railroads. Its time has passed, and 
Well, I'm, I don't know. These are just things that, you know, there's nobody here to talk to this about. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. a bunch of people running around with their, like ostriches, with their head in the sand. Uh, it, it, well, you it, wonder, it, Eugene, if some of the some of the right wing stuff that's happening out there is also, you know, a, a, a coping attempt, you know, getting guns and behaving like a tough guy. And, and oh, it's got to be the fault of those black people or brown people or immigrants. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, is that is that also a way of dealing with stress? Dysfunctional, well, but well, Personally, my my opinion is the area is becoming more integrated with a mix, and um, I'm seeing I'm seeing a diversity of people and people that do not look like me. I find are just as warm and friendly as anybody else. That's great. So. Um, uh, well, there's yeah. music, so yeah. I just wanted to call so, in and uh, let you know how. Well, thank you for sharing that, Eugene. Radio. And the, the the planting of the uh, of the of the bushes that that uh, really resonates with me. I, I uh, you know, it's like planning for the future. Eugene, thank you. It's nice to hear from you, and I'm glad that you're making it through. It's 22 minutes past the hour. Stick around. I got to tell you about the Supreme Court. Tom Hartman here with you. Okay, I want to tell you about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, uh, there's multiple articles scattered around. There's a couple of good ones over at rawstory.com about how uh, the Supreme Court is basically up to two things. One is we now have three justices on the court who have essentially come right out and said that if the Republicans using these new laws in these states try to throw the Electoral College vote in 2024, regardless of how it turns out from the official count, if they want to throw, let's say, uh, you know, Georgia and um, uh, Florida and Arizona all vote for, let's let's just pretend Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump are, you know, on the ticket in 2024. They all vote, for, they, they send their electoral votes to Joe Biden. And then the state legislature says, you know, we're just going to ignore that. We passed this law that says we can ignore the electoral vote, and we're going to send a, state, a slate of electors because we get to choose under the Constitution. We're going to send uh, Donald Trump electors to Washington, D.C. To hell with what the people said. And so far, we've got at least three members of the United States Supreme Court saying, yeah, I'm down with that. John Roberts, Sam Alito, and Clarence Thomas. And we don't know what the opinion of the rest of them is particularly Kavanaugh, Barrett, and, and uh, Gorsuch, you know, the people that, that Trump put on the court. In addition, you've got like this stay in Mexico policy, you know, basically some of the brutal, the most brutal policies of the Trump administration with regard to immigration. The Biden administration tried to fix them or undo them, and you've got Trumpy judges saying, oh no, you, you can't do that, Biden. So, I'm pointing out in this article over at HartmanReport.com in great detail how John Roberts, when he worked for Ronald Reagan in 1981 in the U.S. Uh, State Department, how John, or in the White House, John Roberts wrote this long memo saying, you know, Congress can just overru- overrule the Supreme Court. It's right there in Article 3, Section 2. You've all heard me rant about it forever. I've been talking about this for years. I wrote a whole book about it, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court. 
and the betrayal of America. And here I am laying this stuff out, hoping that some members of Congress are listening, saying, you can overrule the Supreme Court. You can put the Supreme Court in a box. You can change, you can regulate the Supreme Court and you can create exceptions to what the Supreme Court can rule on because it's right there in Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution. Don't believe me, look it up. So we'll see where that goes. Pick up your phone calls after this. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Have you found any interesting, unique coping skills through this time, through this difficult COVID time that you'd like to share? We'll be right back with your calls. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Robert in Bainbridge Island, Washington. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? Oh, well, Tom, two things that are really important. Uh, actually, the third I just noticed, Bainbridge Island now has over 90 percent people uh, vaccinated and wearing masks uh, at all you times. Guys. Well, I'm telling you, that's not all, all our county doesn't follow that. So Kitsap County is having a horrible, horrible outbreak right now. Uh, the worst case incidents that we've had during the whole pandemic, because a lot of people in Kitsap County are not wearing masks, not getting vaccinated, etc. We're but seeing the same thing in the red counties here in Oregon. They're just exploding, in, uh, and the hospitals are overwhelmed. They're sending them to the. They're sending their people to the Blue County hospitals. Absolutely, absolutely across the water to Seattle. Um, yeah. But um, that's why they have it. 
bumper sticker in Kitsap County. It's called Clear Cut Bainbridge because Bainbridge happens to be a little bit more progressive area mm-hmm. in Kitsap County, and so they want to clear cut it of all the trees and maybe all the people, too. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, I have a friend anyway, I have friends who live there, actually, on Bainbridge. Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's more progressive, that's for sure, which yep. is nice. It's safer for people, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I was calling is that a few calls back, you highlighted something very important that a colleague of mine when I worked as a consultant for the VA, Joe Ruzak, has talked about PTSD and the adaptive reserve that people have to cope with uh, awful things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to let you and your audience know that uh, while I was doing that work for the VA, we developed something called Resilience Enhancement, which is a programmed approach to putting together all the most effective coping mechanisms, coping skills, coping behaviors that uh, we could find in the literature and putting it into sort of a, what you call a psychoeducational package. Mm-hmm. And that's that's available, you know, as a download if uh, really? you would care to Where? have. Yeah, I've, I couldn't do anything with it right now, but I can send that to it's, you. It's, you said it's available as a download. Is it is it on a public website someplace? No, it's on my computer. Oh, I see. Okay. But I can I can make it available that way. And plus, if I just gave it to you, you have a pretty public. It oh, belongs you, to me. It, it belongs to you because you wrote it by the VA. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, if you can toss it on some kind of a server, even on uh, you know uh, at a wall, and then tweet it. I mean that that it, that would be a start. Um, but but you know, Robert, we can we can you know we can. Uh, I'll leave it to you to figure out the details of how to get it to people and how to tell people about it on this program. But for right okay. now, can you just summarize very quickly what it is that you're talking about here? What what are these solutions? Well, the the truth of the matter is that there's uh, different categories of coping. So one of them is what's called cognitive coping skills, which is what we call how you appraise the world, what you make of it. Right. It turns out that that's the most important part of the whole equation is that, you know, as you see the world, uh, you respond. So this is this is the old thing that it doesn't matter what happens to you. What matters is the story you tell yourself about what happens to you, how you interpret your experience. Exactly. That's been shown to boost your cognitive coping reserve. That was the main outcome, you know, of the Kauai study. This was a a 40 year longitudinal study, as I recall, that was done from the 1940s to the 1980s among these, you know, highly vulnerable children stuck, you know, the children of sugarcane farmers on Kauai, Hawaii. And what they found was that the children who ended up more resilient than average as a consequence of exposure to grinding poverty and child abuse were the ones who told themselves the story that they were not the ones at fault, that somebody else exactly. was at fault and they had inner resources. And then they, exactly. they asked, they looked at the children who just fell apart, the ones who became less resilient, more fragile as a consequence of this exposure to, to poverty and child abuse. And they told themselves the story that it was their own fault. They internalized the blame and and, uh, you know, or they 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 told themselves the story that they lived in a world that absolutely made no sense and they were unable to make sense out of it. And as a consequence of that, they became more fragile. These are all cognitive skills. That is 
thinking skills. And, and we actually have some control over the stories we tell ourselves about what happens to us. We have default stories. We have much more that, control than we think we do. Sometimes absolutely. We, we have default true. stories that go back to childhood, but we can reinvent new stories at any time. That's the basis of PTSD, by the way, is that you have a horrible story that somehow allowed you to survive a trauma especially in childhood and it, it no longer applies but it still recurs right. in your thinking so so that's one of the strategies another one is what's called soliciting social support because many people who are coping with awful awful things begin to feel like they're all alone and uh, so we have ways of prompting people to solicit you know support from people they know and from the community at large and especially with vets that we worked with, that was a very serious problem because they couldn't, you know, soldiers were trained to not admit any vulnerability, weakness, right. second thoughts, and so forth. So creating groups where we did this resilience enhancement was very uh, influential. Well, this is also uh, one of the reasons why I refer to this program as your media support group for We the People. I mean, you know, exactly. we, we are here exactly. together. I, I, I think talk radio actually fills a social vacuum that that has emerged with the with the latter part of the industrial revolutions but particularly starting in the 1950s as we uh, and moved out to the suburbs and we became more isolated from each other and we didn't live in tenement buildings anymore where we hung out with our neighbors on the fire escape and all that kind of stuff that that uh, you know social media facebook and things like that and talk radio both kind of fill that space Absolutely. And, and I think it's partly, like you say, due to the changes in the way we live. Back when people lived in smaller groups, mm -hmm. 15 or, or less, there was very, very strong support for Correct. all kinds of behavior. And as uh, people went to cities and had anonymity that they could uh, you know, forget their past right. or hide or and whatever. And we're wired for that social experience. Exactly. So That's it, what it evolution prepared us for. Well, that's that's something that we. I'm a public health uh, neuroscientist. That's that's called a mismatch disease, where mm -hmm. our evolutionary past wants us to do something like eat as much fat and sugar as we can to survive on the savanna. And then our current reality is, if you go to McDonald's, you can get as much as you want with no problem, and people. That's why obesity is such a right. problem. Yeah, well, this is my book, my book on hunters and farmers, that the people with ADHD are actually, you know, they're, they're carrying a skill set that would provide them with an outstanding ability to survive in a hunting gathering world, but it's less useful in a farming or, agri or industrial world. Absolutely, yeah. It's actually harmful, I think, in many ways. It so, can, yeah, uh, it wounds people. Yes, absolutely. The, the final and, until part I figure of the it package... Out. The and final part of the package, Tom, is something that uh, we developed. It's a physiological intervention. It's a self-soothing, uh, self-calming technique using a type of biofeedback called heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. And it's been shown to improve people's ability to cope with all sorts of uh, disasters and painful processes and uh, difficult situations. So we put that into a package where all of uh, people we worked on uh, would actually learn how to do that. It's available yeah. pretty generally now, actually, but it's it's not really the, the sort of more scientific version of it. It's now more of a cartoon 
with uh, Apple watches and so, so forth. It's so not. Louise and I have like kind of three adaptive things that we've been doing that might fall into this category. I'd love to get your feedback on. Number one is every single day we walk for about two miles. And we don't just walk. We also, as we're walking, try to have a moment of awe, A-W-E, you know? We try to find things to, oh, look at those clouds in the sky, isn't that beautiful? Or look at the river over there, or look at that duck, or look at, you know, this plant really, I mean, whatever, just try to find something that's like, oh, yeah. So that's number one. Number two is, uh, I've been uh, meditating using this Muse headband, you know, an EEG neurofeedback uh, headband, and uh, I find it very, very useful. And, uh, and then number three, <laughs> I haven't done it so much this summer. I do this mostly in the winter. I uh, back when I broke my back skydiving when I was a teenager. I discovered that if I took long hot baths, you know, my back didn't hurt. And so I've been doing that. It's a physical thing. And we got one of these kind of percussion. Um, and it's not a, really a vibrator. It's a massage machine, you know. And Louise and I yeah. have been doing each other's bodies this way. Um, these all yeah. seem to me like they're actually therapeutic psychologically. They are. They're, they're therapeutic. Not really what we found in doing some research on this is that it's not just therapeutic psychologically, but in the larger sense of, you know, therapy, meaning healing in, in mm -hmm. all regards, physical, emotional, spiritual, as well as, as psychologically important. Yeah. And I wanted to say that your, your walk has the potential of two important elements. One is that, uh, uh, you know, Hippocrates had a famous saying uh, that everybody knows called, first of all, cause no harm. Right. The Hippocratic well, what, what, was the, what was the second thing he said? I don't know. Oh, the healing path of nature. Ah. And going out in nature has been shown many times to produce lots of really good Oh, they did an amazing study where they showed that people in hospitals who had a window that looked out over something green recovered faster than people who didn't have a window. They recovered faster. They used less pain medication. They, they needed less follow-up. That's yep. Roger Ulrich's study that's about 30 years old yep. and is largely ignored. But, and it's uh, never been debunked. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah oh, it's, no, it's, it's used now. It's environmental psychology. It's used by people that pay attention. Yeah. So thanks for the chance to put that out there. That, Robert, thank you for a, for a well-focused, tightly, you know, a, a nice, tight, concise summary of, of uh, you know, a bunch of things that we can be doing. And uh, that was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And if you figure out a way to make it available on the Internet, you know, drop me a note or let me know somehow, and, and I'll do whatever I can to promote it. Robert, thank you very much for listening to us there in Bainbridge Island. You know, I, I find myself praying more, too. It's, it's interesting. Steve in St. Petersburg, Florida, listening to the Tom Harbin app. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today? Well, first of all, thank you, as always, for bringing up the big picture topics that nobody else is discussing. I'll be as brief as I can. We are already in the sixth mass extinction event. Yes. And humans are pretty clueless, unlike other animals, as to when a horrible disaster is coming. But we're picking up on it, and we're panicking, just like the last two hours on the Titanic. That accounts for a lot of this so-called stress. It's fear. It's, it's everything. Um, now, how do you cope with reality? First of all, I would say that depression is anger turned inwards. 
and that it's time for us to accept reality that the human experiment is, you know, basically destroying the biosphere, and we're going to go through some Mad Max uh, movie-style hard times. Another movie would be The Road. We're going to see it in our lifetime. Well, how do you deal with reality? First of all, don't turn the anger inwards. Fight back by standing up for the innocent native flora and fauna that our species is destroying. Planting trees that are native, defending native wildlife is another thing. Beware of going into too much weed, too much booze, too many antidepressants. Number three, extreme exercise, not just walking. I'm glad you guys walk, but raising your heart rate up enough to get your endorphins and dopamine system engaged. Number four, find affinity groups. Number five, give voice to the voiceless. Number six, recognize that as the Buddha said, life is suffering. There's no way around it. And embrace your grief, your mourning, your anger, and your sadness about what our species has done to this world. That's how I cope. I think that's brilliant, Steve. The one, the one uh, slight tweak I would make to it is that I do not believe that what we are doing is uh, human nature. I believe that what we are living in is a highly dysfunctional culture and that, it, that, that history, uh, particularly pale, uh, you know, paleo history, uh, demonstrates to us, and, and, and you know, uh, tribal people are still alive today that we can learn directly from, demonstrates to us that humans do have the ability to live in a way that is sustainable and that is in balance and harmony with their natural environment. We have that ability built into us. We just have to keep learning the lesson to get there. And you look at the, the Melanesians who took over uh, the British New Caledonia Island or New Zealand, for example, the Maori people, and they all went through this cycle of basically wiping out their environment and then saying, holy crap, and then figuring out a way to live that was sustainable and, and reinventing their societies. And so, you know, I, I see hope, actually, in all this, Steve. Well, one reason we love you, Tom, is because you still have rational-based hope, and I will go with what you're going with, and um, I hope everybody can understand that, you know, it's the Titanic, they had two and a half hours, we might have two and a half decades, but we better get things going fast in the right direction or else God help us all. Well, and there are lifeboats, and, and I think we have to acknowledge some people are not going to get in them, and that's, and that's what we're seeing around the world. I mean, you know, there's, there's famines and and uh, displacements and refugees, and that's a terrible, terrible thing. We need to do everything we can to ameliorate that situation. But, uh, you know, building lifeboats and expanding lifeboats while we still have the time now and, and, and charting a new course. I'm, I'm just mangling this metaphor, Steve. But <laughs> thank no, you but for thank it. You, thank you for everything, Tom. Yeah, good talking to you, Steve. Thank you very much for your acknowledgement. I appreciate it. It is uh, nine minutes before the hour. Gary at Alpharetta, Georgia. Hey, Gary, what's up? Hello, Tom Hartman. Thank you once more. Hey, Gary. Greed has no heart. Thank you. Thank you. And again, this is the core of my little rant. And I can appreciate you saying you say more and more. You find yourself prayers. And, and I think that is, you know, I don't talk religion. You don't talk religion. But there is a, an aspect of it which is true, and it's a good thing. And, and walking, I think that's a great thing to do. Great thing to do. So why did I call? I called for 
one thing to quote FDR before I close the uh, conversation down. But to me, every day, every day, if you're searching for that one element, it's always more clear to me every day that humility is the opposite of pride. Mm-hmm. And I think, thinking, frankly, I think that's the root of our problem in America. There comes a point where it's, it, it, does it, it does this make sense. Is it, you'll tell me, and I'll listen to you. Uh, it comes a point where there's too much wealth in a, in a, in a civilized society. I, I, I'm not sure it's a matter of whether there's too much or not enough wealth, uh, although obviously if it's not enough, you've got you know a real crisis. Um, uh, look at what's well, going on in Haiti right much. now. But it, it, it's because so much of that wealth was extracted by, by greedy individuals, you know, whether it was the French or whether it was you know, people who were put in charge of the country uh, and, and just bled it dry. So I think it's more the distribution of wealth, Gary. Okay, well, but we're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. It's called greed. Yeah. Greed is personal, too. Greed is how you treat other people, as, you, as I said before, and how you administer government. Yeah. How you administer government. So in closing, if I don't, if you don't mind, I'm going to quote FDR from 1937. Mm-hmm. Here's what he said: We have always known that heedless self-interest was bad morals. We know now that it is bad economics. Hmm. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, thank, thank you, you, Gary. Thank you for that. Uh, great to hear from you. Uh, let's see here, Bob in Portland. Hey, Bob, what's up? Well, your your opening rant reminded me of a um, an old saying from the I Ching that says you can't fight evil directly. You make energetic progress in the good. Mm. And I think when you described what you did, uh, writing two books, I... I come from a place of relative privilege. I'm a musician, but I was able to play online for most of the year and, and make some money. Mm-hmm. I started opening up and playing in nursing homes again and just got shut down because of uh, uh, the, you know, it Delta. coming back. I was playing outside and got, I'm not going out anymore uh, because it's too risky. Um, so I just got to find something good to do to, to take up my time. And, and that's what I've done for the last year and a half. And I think the thing we need to do most now for energetic progress in the good is to take back the state legislatures. Uh, We need to, every two years, the legislatures are up. And Arizona could get flipped in 2022. Florida could get flipped. Texas could get flipped. They can all become Democratic state legislatures and stop the nonsense with the voting. The voting is the real problem that we face now. We can't solve anything else until we solve the voting problem. I'm with you. Bob, thank you. And the the Supreme Court is starting to weigh in on this and putting their their thumb on the Republican side of the scale, which is why I wrote this rant about the, the Supreme Court today. Bob, thank you. Brilliant. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud. 
with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Susan in Decatur, Georgia. Hey, Susan, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well. What's up? I've been trying to call you for two weeks, but I'm homeschooling for the second year, a ninth grader and a fourth grader. Oh, my. Um, but two weeks ago on a Monday, you made the comment on one of your rants that America is a failed state. But on top of that, I'd like to add that America is a third world country wrapped in a bootleg Gucci belt bought on a 22% interest credit card funded by China. Um we are a huge failure. I, you know, we, we've got a lot of upsides, Susan, but broadly speaking, I can't disagree with your analysis, sadly. Um, I, I want to also say that the situation here in Georgia is actually beyond dire. Um, that there's an article on the AJC from last Thursday. Um, it's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The newspaper, yes, the statewide newspaper. Yes, and it says, on Thursday, it says, I can't remember the title. I didn't copy the title. Uh, but anyway, it says, Georgia Public Health Commissioner Dr. Kathleen Toomey is recommending that students be required to wear masks when quarantining in school as a safety precaution to curb the spread of COVID. Toomey made the recommendation in a letter to state representatives Thursday. The advice comes two weeks after the agency issued an order allowing schools to establish their own quarantine rules for students exposed to the virus. So let me get this straight, Susan. What you're saying is that in Georgia public schools right now, if a kid is known to have been exposed to the virus and therefore probably or possibly contagious, you're, you're contagious for about four days before you show symptoms, highly contagious, in fact, with the Delta variant, that that child has the option of not wearing a mask while in quarantine? Is that what you're telling me? Not only in quarantine, but they are allowing the schools, if the school says, well, yes, my child is positive, or yes, my child has been in contact with a positive student, but I demand that my child be allowed to go to school, and I'm an anti-masker, so they can't wear a mask. So they don't. They not only don't go into quarantine. They, you could. You could. They're sitting in the classroom, quote, in quarantine, right next to all the other kids with no mask on. It. Yes, sir. Is that it? So, yes, sir. So the whole quarantine thing is just a label. It's not actually a it's physical fake. place to which they relocate fake. these kids. 
It's fake. So if you know that Georgia Governor Kemp is just like death sentence DeSantis, I'm sure that it's going on in other red states. They're all playing the same game. Oh, yeah. Tate Reeves is doing this in Mississippi, too. Well, and on top of all that, they, right now they're running ads 24-7 on all media on, in Georgia that if you will please work as a bus driver because they are missing 60% of their bus drivers. Because they're so, out sick? Or because they're scared? Because they're, they've either been out sick, they've died from COVID last year, they're scared to death, they're not vaccinating, whatever the, the issues are, right? Right. But the, the other week, when you made that statement, the same week about America as a failed state, there was another guy that called that said that America is dismantling the education system. And what better way to dismantle it than not be able to provide the poor people a ride to school? Well, this was, you know, we had the, the person on from the Independent Women's Forum who was going on and on about how, you know, teachers need to be exposed to kids without masks. Why? Well, I, you know, I think they're trying to destroy our public schools. I really do. This is Betsy DeVos's agenda. Susan, thank you. Thank you for the heads up. Tom Harmon here with you. We've got a lot on the table here. Uh, the right wing websites, by the way, this is uh, uh, from the, the writing newsletter, the dot com. Uh, you know, top news headlines from the far right for the rest of us. Uh, from uh, Donald Knight, jtrump.com. How many terrorists will Biden bring to America? Right. See, it was Trump who tried to, who actually shut down for two years the special immigrant visa program uh, so that people who had worked with our troops in Afghanistan, who we had promised, you know, you give us a couple of years of your life, we'll get you out of the country. We made this promise to them. And then, you know, Stephen Miller said, hey, wait a minute, those people are not. They don't look like white Europeans. And Trump was like, oh, my God, brown people coming to America and they shut the program down. And this is what Biden inherited, a totally broken program. So Trump says, how many terrorists will Biden bring to America? Uh, the Washington Free Beacon, DHS braces for terror threat from southern border. There has never been a terrorist attack from the southern border. James Polk claimed there was one in 1840, what was it, 1847, 48? Yes, Mexico has invaded America, and we got the Mexican-American War out of that, but he lied. Abraham Lincoln called him out on that lie. He was arguably the first president to lie us into an unnecessary war. It was James Polk and the Mexican-American War. Of course, we did get Arizona, New Mexico, and part, the southern part of California out of that. Um, but hey, you know, it wasn't right. American greatness on terrorism. Biden is either dishonest or delusional. Front page, another website from the right wing. Biden's gift to global jihadis, a safe national homeland. Newsmax, Biden administration must be held accountable on Afghanistan. Washington Examiner. This is interesting. Trump set the stage for Biden's Afghanistan debacle. At least one source on the right gets this right. But I think the uh, Babylon Sisters headline over at uh, D Democratic Underground really summarizes it best. Republicans silent as Biden gets 21,600 people out of Afghanistan in one single day. It's amazing. We're over 75,000 evacuees. And the Republicans, what, what do they have to say? He's not doing it right. He's not doing it fast enough. And Oh, my God, he's bringing brown people. Oh, my God.
Bobby in La Puente, California. Hey, Bobby, you wanted to get back to our first hour topic of uh, dealing with the trauma of uh, wildfires and global warming and and uh, COVID and and an insane president for four years and uh, you know, Nazism. Yeah, yes, Nazis. the Nazis on the street. There you go. Look, how do I cope with it, Tom? I wake up in the morning. Thy will be done. Keep me from my will, because if I take the will, I'll mess it up. So I do that. I have to humble myself. I'm not a prayer, but I have to learn. Okay, I'm alive. Like you lost a best friend. I lost my brother. What was it? November third, the last remaining. So I don't get to talk to him anymore. <laughs> so okay, how do I deal with it? Divorce from self pity. Gratefulness. I write a grateful list. What am I grateful for? I got a home that's paid. I got a pension coming in. Okay, we got a, a mega mega gap insurance thanks to you, Tom. Me and my wife retired, so there's a lot to be grateful. But for the people struggling, you know, I pray. I don't know if it means anything, but it comes from my heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you feel that humble, like you, hugging your wife. Wow, it means something to me. Then I look at my wife. If it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here. Same here. Honest. Honest to God. Hey. Same here. Bobby, my, my, uh, the, the nature of my prayers has changed in the last year or so, and I've really noticed it. And I think it's because of all the, uh, the social distancing. But, you know, I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm finding that there are two things I'm doing a lot more of than I ever did before. One is specifically and and even during times that are not like i'm sitting down to say a prayer um just looking at the world and and acknowledging what a gift it is to be alive how how much i know that my mother or father who are no longer with us you know what they would give for just one minute to be able to breathe this air and see this world you know and and just you know being so grateful for being alive and expressing that gratitude but the other thing is I've been going through lists of people, and some of them people I haven't seen in years, but they'll just pop into my head. And, 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 uh, and I've got a list of friends, I've got a list of people who are uh, my opponents, as it were, even political people. Um, and, and all the people who work on this program, I literally go through this list every day now and imagine the faces of these people. I have no idea if you know christian science is right and i'm actually sending energy to those people that's helping them and healing them um but what i can tell you is that um and particularly with you know old friends that we have some friends from vermont that we haven't seen in physically in years i mean we still talk to them maybe every other month on the phone but um haven't seen them in years and and i go through the family you know the mom and dad and all three kids and 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 visualize them and what it's doing for me is it's making me feel like I'm still in touch with these people. Now, they have no idea that I'm even thinking of them. But um, oh, doing this oh. every day seems to be, you know, if it's not spiritual or if it's not, if there's not some sort of magical energy going back and forth between me and them, at the very least, I'm feeling like I'm in touch with people that I was, that I'm uh, physically out of touch with. I think it's therapeutic, if nothing else. What do you think? It is. You know, when you think of people, my wife taught me that's a prayer. When you think of somebody you haven't, for a long time, that's a prayer, honoring yeah. their memory. Yep. Fred Gratz, I wish you would have met this guy, an engineer next to me. Right? Mechanical got me to, to graduate drafting, but I didn't like it. A wonderful man, and I think of the time I could have 
I could have spent with him. Bob, you can still go to school. If he was alive, Tom, Bob, it's not too late. He'd be 130. It's not too late to get educated. <laughs> but I go. think of, like yourself, to me, you're like a brother. The same month, three brothers, yours is still alive. And I bless you for that. But what got me, when you shared on the air, you apologized for your whiteness or, you know, white privilege. And you don't know what it done to me. Like, wow, I can believe in somebody. You have a good heart. Your callers as well. You don't know how much the show means to me. You even got my granddaughter, eight years old, reading to me because she lacked in reading. You know, lazy, like to play, but good at math. Papa, I'm going to read to you. Man, I am blessed. Tom, I shouldn't be alive. And I feel that. No, no, that's self-pity. So I'm on a journey. What I'm doing now is grieving my family. I haven't had time. Because I grew up in PTSD. And to me, okay, I isolate, no big deal. I used to do it. But now, you know, I exercise, I go in the garden. A garden, you got me motivated. Even though I'm disabled, I was a gym rat, pumping iron, 400 bench press, all this baloney for what? And now, the garden, walking out to my gar- my granddaughter, look, Papa Spider, she's not a, you know what I mean? Exploring. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. I didn't yeah. share it with my daughters, you know, my first clan because I had alcoholism. But I do have to admit, I do smoke cannabis because I have to have something because of the damage I had, yeah. you know, growing up. So I don't abuse it. Alcohol is the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. If I have to call somebody, I have a couple of people that will pull my covers or I'll pull them. You know, we help each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. reach out to somebody, you know, call or somebody. Listen. Yep. There's you know, a lot of good stuff there. There's a lot of good stuff there. Bobby, thank so you. Bless you and your family. Thank and, you. And back at you, Bobby. But, you know, I, I, I send you all the light and love I can. Bobby, thank you very much. In fact, I, I, I frequently, uh, in, in my prayers, <laughs> I, you know, you're not supposed to talk about what you do. You know, what, what was Jesus in, in uh, Matthew? He said uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, go in your closet and pray in secret. Don't talk about it in public because then it doesn't work anymore. So I'm going to stop right there. Lisa in San Francisco. Hey, Lisa, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Oh, I love Bobby. Um, I wanted to also tell you how I'm coping. I've been on my walks collecting rocks, and hmm. I bring them home, and I have paint pens, and I paint happy faces on them, and then I redistribute them in my neighborhood. Oh, how sweet. And um, I'm on the first floor, so I can often hear people walking by talking about them. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if it brings them more joy or me, but... Um, it's a simple little thing and I'm taking a walk anyway. So I figure I'll just do that. And, um, I'm drawing on them right now and drawing the faces makes me feel good. And then when I put them out there, makes me feel good. It's simple and it's not really anything, but it's something. You're bringing light to your neighborhood. That is wonderful. Lisa, that is so sweet. Bringing light to your neighborhood. Lisa, thank you. It's a San Francisco thing. Yeah, yeah indeed, I guess. <laughs> but it could be, you know, anybody can do that. It could be a national thing. Lisa, thank you. For sure. So nice to hear from you. And thank you again for watching us on Free Speech TV. Virginia in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Virginia, what's on your mind today? Hi, um, I really appreciate you. You keep me sane. Thank you. Um, all the things that people have said, I use. Um, and but I also go to uh, what I call the root issue which is uh, centering in your inner spiritual identity 
and um, identifying there, not politically, not externally, not by your wealth, not by the terrible times or the good times. But you have this inner strength despite any circumstances or difficult times. And I just found something online, and I'll quote it if it's all right. Sure. It's from uh, Sound Healing, Beloved Come Home, Maylan. There is a place of stillness within you that is wise, aware, present, perceptive, grounded, and trusting. This is the true core of your being, hidden beneath layers of the hurt this world has wrapped around you. The remembrance of who you are to your inner peace in the light of your soul's essence. Breathe in, breathe out. You have arrived to welcome home. It's it's many religions, um, Buddhism, uh, Lao Tzu, um, even Christianity, you know, reborn to the spirit. It's a spiritual awakening to your true self, so you don't have to find external worth by comparison, wealth, uh, power. This is where all the Republicans are trapped. They're looking for themselves outside themselves. They're looking for their self-worth outside themselves by competition, by exploitation. And money. And and money and all this excess greed uses up the planet. It all fits together like a perfect jigsaw puzzle. I use Tai Chi. I have a garden. I have an organic garden. I help the pollinators. I go out in the morning. I listen to a certain aria by um, Sarah Brightman called Canto della Terra, um, and I I greet the sun. I I understand your wonder and and appreciation at the amazing world we live in. And I was just talking. I I'm a home care aide. I come through the gate. There's one woman there. And she is saying, everybody's coming through complaining about the heat and this and that. They complain all day to me. And I said, yes, they're focused on the negative, and it blocks all their ability to receive all the beauty and happiness in the world. It's just like like a wall they put around, and it's like Trump's bubble. And Trump is caught in this whole externalized self-comparative self-worth. Mm-hmm. He has to be richer, and he has to step on other people because he sees them a competition. Once you find your real self, none of this will disturb you. You don't care what people think of you. You don't care about if you're better or worse. You just know we're all here on a journey back to our true selves and shedding all of this externalized wounding and competition and tiny little wars with between neighbors, friends, people, tribes, uh, other nations. It all comes from one problem. Yeah. So. You know, the, the, the saying at funerals is, dust thou art to dust returnest. I think it's light thou art to light returnest. I think we came from the light, we returned to the light, and part of our job here is to express the light. But, I think um, it's the main job. Yeah. Uh, people get stuck on, on the wrong path. There you go. Virginia, thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. 
They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.